This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White show. Tonight, we have a guest who's going to tell us when we know or when do we know that we need couples therapy. And there are several situations in which a couple should start with couples therapy instead of coaching. A couple managing an infidelity should begin with couples therapy and often individual therapy for each to work through the grief and negative feelings associated with that situation. Relationships that include emotional, physical intimacy, or physical abuse require a therapist, counselor, or psychologist to manage the aggression and power dynamics between the individuals. Lastly, couples dealing with trauma, a loss of a family member, for example, can benefit from a therapeutic approach to address the thoughts and feelings regarding that event before considering couples coaching. Finding a couples coach who has a background in couples work from a mental health perspective can be valuable because they will recognize if you should begin with therapy or coaching and avoid any presenting issues. So that's uh, a little bit of what we're going to talk about tonight. But first, I'm going to I'm going to call on my my boss <laughs> that's my boss mr coleman okay how you doing jenny white i haven't been promoted huh <laughs> yep that's my okay. co-host yeah but he how can you, be the boss you, all right all right how you doing okay i'm good i'm good, good. good. how are you Good, okay. Good. Sounds like we got a good topic going on uh, this evening. Oh, yeah. We're talking about this. How do you know when you need couple therapy or coaching? Okay. So I'm going to get our guest on, Dr. Robin. You there? Good evening. I am. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Friday night, never bad. Oh, yeah. You read about that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're ready to kind of teach us some stuff about therapy? 
Or I coaching. am. I'm, luckily, I'm able to do both since I used to therapy, and now I do coaching so I, uh, to help out with both sides. Oh, okay. Well, which one do you want to start with? Well, I think your overview of when therapy is absolutely necessary was was really perfect, that the idea that therapy is really going to look at what has happened in the past that is creating the problem in the present. And certainly when anything is creating trauma for the couple, so whether, as you said, fidelity, the love of a loved one for a child, kind of addiction, any kind of abuse, those are all situations that a couple really needs to start to dig into that, to explore that problem. For couples who don't have those issues in their life, it's really more appropriate to consider coaching, and not a lot of couples understand the difference between the two. Okay, that's that's a good uh, statement because I wasn't real sure myself. <laughs> what is the difference? Yeah, the idea of couples coaching, and, and there's a lot of coaches out there, Jenny, and, and there are some really talented people out doing coaching. But the, the challenge is that not everybody who calls themselves a coach has been trained to do coaching or to, to understand the connection between brain and behavior or the brain and emotion. And so the, the biggest difference is that to understand from a professional uh, perspective is that coaches aren't licensed like therapists. So there's no um, there, there's nobody overseeing the back of the education or training of coaches. So anybody can call themselves a coach. And I will tell you honestly, for a while I was hesitant to call myself a coach, even though I went to a uh, one of the first coaching training programs back in 2005, and before anybody else called themselves a coach, even though I had a PhD in clinical psychology, because I didn't want to be confused with people who. Again, I always assume people are doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, but who were just doing it because they were good at giving advice or they'd been through situations and thought they could help other people. That is lovely, but I wouldn't go to a mechanic with my broken car who's never been to training on how to fix a car. And I wouldn't go to a yoga class that's being taught by someone who loves yoga but was that was never trained in it because it's it is likely that you could get hurt or your car could end up worse than it was. And I don't think coaches are any different. So the biggest thing to keep in mind when, you know, you're considering therapy versus coaching is making sure that whoever you're working with, but certainly the coach, is has the training and education to know how to help you and not make the situation worse. So that's the first place to start. The other difference just between the approach is a – said earlier that therapy is about looking at the past to see how it's affecting the present. And coaching is different because we look at where you are now in the present and where you want to get to in the future. And a lot of people are familiar with that in terms of life coaching or executive coaching, but couples coaching does the same thing. A couple comes in to work with a couple's coach and they're not happy. They're at a place, maybe a rut in their marriage. They know they want to stay together but they don't know how to make it better. They don't know how to reach that level of satisfaction or happiness that they really want. 
And that's what a couples coach who has the training and background can do for a couple is help them create a plan to get to that level that they want to get to. Now, is that therapy? I mean, the no. therapy, that's not, that's coaching? No. Yeah, okay. that is coaching. It's going to look at more of um, dysfunctional or clinical issues. So a lot of couples that call in to, for example, to work with me will say, well, we're looking for couples therapy. And I start talking to them about what they're really asking for. You know, when a couple isn't in crisis, when a couple isn't, you know, having, you know, almost is looking at coming in to see someone because it's their Hail Mary before they start talking about divorce, right. that isn't necessarily and that's therapy. Coaching is we are, we're okay, but we want to be better. We know we can be happier than we are. Or for a lot of couples, actually, it can be what they start their relationship with. So they know they're about to make a commitment, you know, getting engaged, getting married, moving in together. And they don't want to make the mistakes that they've made in the past, or they don't want to make the mistakes from what they've seen of friends and family members. So they start with a coach to make sure that they have strategies in place. Oh, so then you should start with that before you even get married? Is that what you're saying? You can, absolutely. The couples that work with me, and I do a a little bit of different type of coaching because I created a a proprietary model to work with couples uh, in a way that is based on a business framework. So the model, I actually call it Marriage LLC because we create a business plan for the relationship. And I always tell people, you know, when when someone's starting a business or starting a podcast like you did, Jenny, most people have a plan, some kind of vision for certainly that they've outlined and the steps that they're going to go through to make sure that it's successful. Certainly starting a business, people do that. They lay out what are the roles. What are the responsibilities? You know, how are we going to make sure that we're achieving the vision we have? And yet people don't do that for a commitment or a marriage. And when I talk to couples, it always kind of makes me laugh because I will ask them very candidly, well, how much money did you spend on your wedding? And in America, the average is about $20,000. Okay. How many hours did you spend planning your eight, approximately eight-hour day? Well, for most couples in America, again, it's on average between 250 and 300 hours of planning. And then I asked the couple, how much time and money did you put into planning your marriage? And then I get crickets. And they're like, well, what do you mean? Like, we, we planned. And I'm like, no, no, no. You planned your wedding, but you didn't plan your marriage for decades and decades of being together. Where's your plan? Where's your outline? Where's, you know, where did you devote that focus? And for very few couples, they do that. The work I do with, with couples, whether new, new to their, um, their commitment or couples who just want to kind of re, rejuvenate their commitment, it starts with the business plan for their relationship. That's good, really uh, – go ahead. Yeah, I had, yeah, I had never heard of uh, marriage uh, having – marriage – uh, couples having a coach. I've always heard of marriage, you know, marriage counseling, but not a marriage coach. So, so that, absolutely, yeah. So that's new. Uh, that's new to me, and good, good news. Now, I guess uh, my question <laughs> is, 
can you tell me? Uh, can you tell me what your credentials are again? You uh... absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy to. So I finished my PhD in clinical psychology back in 2001, and then in, I finished my training as a coach with the College of Executive Coaching, which is one of the first programs in coaching based in San Diego in 2005. And the funniest part was that my colleagues that I finished my PhD program uh, with said, what's a coach? Like, they, no one had heard of what, you know, coaching was not a thing okay. back in, you know, 2000. And so they said, why would you want to be a coach? You're, you know, you have a, you have a doctoral degree, one of the you know, highest degrees you can get in clinical psychology. Why would you want to be a coach? And there, it's a great question, but my answer has always has been, has really hasn't wavered in all the years since I finished both programs. Coaching is a proactive approach and it's a preventative approach that comes before there are significant issues. People come into coaching okay. motivated to be better. With therapy, it's an intervention model. It's based on the medical model that when there's a problem, when there's a crisis, then you go in. And I, I'm trying to change that. I do a lot of talks to, to make people understand that you don't have to wait till there's a crisis to do therapy yeah. or coaching. You can go in for mental wellness and maintenance rather than, oh, my gosh, all of a sudden I am experiencing, you know, panic attacks and anxiety and I can't even, you know, function, can't go to work, can't go to school, and now I need a therapist. And it doesn't have to get to that point. But still in our society, a lot of people wait to do therapy until there is that, that really uh, emergency situation. Um, so hopefully someday that will change. But for right now, coaching is about, you know, I'm motivated to change because I'm good, but I want to be better. Therapy is still about I'm not good and I don't, I, I don't want to feel this way. Okay. Now, do you feel in order to be a successful couples coach, you have to be someone that either married or in a relationship <laughs> as a coach? Oh, my God. That is a great question. <laughs> I love that question. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, I'm almost hesitant to ask that because I am very candid that I have been divorced twice. And okay. I my first marriage was to my college, my first adult love in college. And he, when he proposed, I knew it was coming. We had shopped for rings, for goodness sakes. And okay. my gut, in the moment he asked, my gut screamed, no, don't, don't say yes. And I thought it was just wow. really wished, you know, in retrospect, I listened to my intuition. He mm-hmm. came from kind of a volatile background, and it didn't really – um, come to light until after we were married, and but some I I must have got some inkling of it, and I didn't pay attention. And my second mm. marriage was to a really great guy. I produced two wonderful daughters from that marriage, but he wasn't the he was certainly different than my first husband. He was fun and he was supportive, but our value systems were very different. And I was too young to stop and really. Again, analyze it and think about it. Plan out who I really wanted to be with the rest of my life. Now, luckily, the marriage that I my my current and final marriage is someone that <laughs> I, I had a 20 year friendship before we got married. So we okay. had the foundation. We had done a lot of the talking that I do it. You know, I help couples with now. We had a plan. We had very clearly defined roles. So, in answer to your question. 
I don't think you have to be in a relationship. You know, I, I think that when you look at other professions, you know, I don't think you have to be a woman to be a gynecologist. I don't think you have no to an eye doctor to, you know, or have 20-20 vision to be an eye doctor. I think okay. that sometimes it's a, a good perspective, but with coaching, it's not about your experience and your perspective. It's about the couple's experience. They're the experts on their life, and you get the Sometimes I describe myself as the Sherpa, that I just help clear out some of the brush and show couples the path that might be easier to get to their goals. But if they decide they want to take a different path, that's okay. I'm going to help them the best I can. Okay. Very good. I uh, appreciate you being so transparent with that. You know, You're welcome. I think um, <laughs> now I guess with – you know, um, and I'm going to go back to the to the coaching. Um, mm-hmm. In in the coaching aspect, working with couples, you say the whole premise is for them wanting to be better. They know that their yeah. relationship can be better. There's not necessarily a crisis situation. Correct. Now, now, what if they're this couple is dealing with a crisis situation, and that that'll be you'll put on your therapy hat for them. No, and infidelity or yeah, you know, I love getting to the really important questions and points. So just because I can do therapy doesn't mean I do therapy anymore. And I make I make it made a conscious choice that that was no longer going to be something that I did. The the beauty okay. of my that I can recognize because of how I was trained in clinical psychology, I can recognize when there's a therapeutic issue. And I don't like to blur the lines. I like there to be clear delineation. So couples will say, well, you could work with us. And I'm like, while I could, I'm not going to, because I don't want there to be any kind of blurriness between therapy and coaching. It happens a lot. And I want to, at least from my role in the world, I want to really help people understand the differentiation. So when I see that or when it comes up or wasn't revealed in the strategy call, I will get couples to some really talented therapists um, in their area that can help them. And then if they want to work with me after they've done the therapeutic work, after they've healed from whatever it was, then I'm happy to help them. But yeah, sometimes, and it doesn't happen often, but sometimes I do say to a couple, you know, it, it would be beneficial for you to start there. And until that situation okay. is stressed, you know, I really can't work with you as a coach. Um, and once I explain it, most couples understand, you know, come to an understanding and realize that it is for the benefit of their relationship that that's a, that recommendation is being made. Yes. Now, is, are there any common uh, issues that you find that couples have. I know every situation is different and every, you know, uh, situation is customized based on the uh, couple's uh, needs. Um, but are there any common situations that you see, you know, between couples? You know, it's like, okay, I've coached 10 couples and they all seem to have this similar issue yep. or not necessarily. No, I think I think there are common issues that come up. Um, the first is that uh, very often they have lost the ability to connect with each other. They, they've lost that okay. connection as a couple. Their parents, 
their caregivers to, you know, elderly, um, their elderly parents. They are, you know, certainly partners maybe in terms of maintaining the house, but they've lost that connection as just a couple. It's amazing. This it shouldn't be amazing to me, but it is amazing to me how few couples have date nights, make time, just connect with each other, really listening and being like really utilizing mindfulness when they're together. And I was just doing a talk about this in terms of when you're sitting with your, your partner, you know, are you sitting watching, for example, watching a movie together on the couch? Are you simultaneously texting people and Facebooking and, you know, doing stuff on social media? Because if you're doing that, you're actually not really there with your partner. You've, now you've introduced all your 500 Facebook friends into that space. <laughs> right. you know, and so when I talk to couples, one of the biggest strategies and for that issue, I recommend, and I call it the no kids zone, but what it really means is a, 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 at least 10 minutes a day where they just are together behind a closed door. So whoever they live with, kids, dogs, um, elderly parents, whoever it is, the couple finds the 10 minutes to sit together without distraction and just touch base with no discussion of the kids, no discussion of to-dos. It's a it's a ten minute conversation or longer. I mean, longer is lovely, but at least ten minutes just to check in and say, how are, how are you really doing? How what? Tell me something that was really great about your day. Not just hey, how was your day? Good. How was your day? Good. That's not connection. That is, those, those are niceties. So it's just ten okay. minutes to breathe and reconnect. So that is definitely one of the issues. Certainly, and again, I don't think this one is a surprise. Couples who have lost the physical intimacy. They don't make right. time to engage in some kind of physical connection. And when I ask couples about that, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely important. I'm like, okay, well, when do you schedule it? And, oh, my goodness, the look on their faces is usually <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, tell me what's on your calendar. And they're like, oh, you know, appointments, deadlines, you know, meetings with right. my boss. And I'm like, okay, so why do you put them on your calendar? They're like, well, they're, I don't want to forget to do them. They're important. I'm like, great. So why okay. don't you put most important things in your life on the calendar? And hmm. it's a simple strategy to make sure it happens. Now, I'm not saying put it on the family calendar where your kids can see it, but if you want to make sure that you're in that connection with, you know, the person, probably one of the most important people, if not the most important person in your life, then if it's not happening – your strategy isn't working, so try a different strategy, and you'll guarantee it happens if it's something that you both are seeing on the calendar. A lot of couples say that once they start doing that, primes their brain. So I, I was right. working with a couple okay. earlier this week, and the husband said, you know, when I see it coming up on the calendar, like later in the day or the next day, I don't pick the same things for lunch. And I started laughing, and I said, tell me about that. And he said, well, I usually go out and get burgers for lunch, but I always end up feeling like kind of bloated or lethargic. He's like, so I get salads on the days that I know later in the day I'm going to be okay. intimate with you. And I love okay. that, you know, it times his brain in that direction. So those two come up a lot, and it's interesting that they both are themed around the idea of having that either time connection or that physical physical connection as a couple. And I think – the one more that I, I do regularly hear about is when roles are not clearly defined. 
when people do mm. not, you know, our society says, no, in a relationship, everything is 50-50. And I think people have interpreted that, you know, 50% of the time I do the cooking, 50% of the time you do the cooking. And it doesn't always work well that way because one That's person cool. is a better cook or one person likes cooking or is more attuned to nutritional, you know, um, details. So okay. it's clearly saying, hey, look, I'm going to take care of all the cooking and the grocery shopping. And you take, you know, and, and maybe the other person says, yeah, and I'm going to take care of all the yard work because that doesn't bother me and I, I actually like doing it. It's being very clear where you can best mm-hmm. utilize your strengths and your skills. And for a lot of couples, they try and do everything together, and then they end up stepping on toes or they assume, hey, you're gonna, I thought you were going to take care of it. And it creates more um, conflict than there needs to be over simple daily routine, you know, maintenance kind of stuff. So, so I, I think you those know, are the three issues I hear a lot. No, that was great, you know, because as you were talking, I was – um, picturing certain things because, mm-hmm. you know, I think when most people get married, they just feel that everything is going to be automatic. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's almost like yeah. raising kids. You know, that's on-the-job training. And unless you've been married before, you really don't know what to expect. You know, yeah. it's, 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 not the, yeah, it's not the same as dating and going together. Uh, right. The commitment is deeper. Um, and so I think, you know, even with the scheduling uh, part, you know, where you're scheduling mm-hmm. times where you're going to be intimate or, or together, I, I think that uh, a lot of people feel, you know, it's supposed to be spontaneous and just happen or, right. you know, <laughs> you know, with, you know, it's, it's got to happen in the bedroom and, you know, if one person goes to bed at 9 and the other one goes to bed at 11, right. you know, and, and then you come to bed at 11, you know, the person that, you know, that's already asleep don't want to be bothered, you know, it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to sleep, you know. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think marriage is kind of like a dance, you know, when you were talking, that's kind of what it reminded me of, is, and people playing the roles. Um, I think that, you know, the roles, sometimes, you know, we have in our minds, what a male's role is and what a woman's role is. A man takes out the garbage, you know, the, the yep. woman washes the clothes, you know, or yep. cooks, you know, certain things. And like you said, you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way based on the couple. The male, the right. man might like to cook more, you know, and and the woman may, you know, uh, do the grocery shopping or something, you know. So um, I think having someone that can, you know, I guess a coach is almost like a mentor, you know, not maybe not necessarily, but uh, just having someone to give you some guidance and direction and some, some suggestions as far as how to make your relationship better. Uh, but, no, you, you hit on some great points, and it really made me think. I've been married for, for, uh, for a long time, and um, – and, 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 you know, I just think, you know, about my marriage and some of the things, you know, now we're empty nesters, and so that's a whole different <laughs> situation, you know. Can you speak on Can you speak on the empty nester uh, couples that you, you work with? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. I, I am uh, lucky enough that I um, – so I've been doing this model of coaching for about um, – in terms of the business framework for about, about 10 years now, and 
um, I'm lucky enough to ha- start, I'm starting to have repeat clients, meaning that okay. they worked with me and now they're coming in for booster sessions, you know, so and right. it's funny you're the empty nester because that is one of the couples that called me probably about, a, I don't know, four months ago. And uh, the, the, the wife called and she said, you know, um, we, do you remember me? And I, I had to look through my records. I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I, I do remember now. And she's like, yeah, we were in probably, you know, nine years ago and we came up with wow. plans. Like they're now empty nesters and we're really finding that the plan that we've been working off of for nine years as their kids were, you know, in high, in middle school and high school, she's like, it's not working anymore. It's, there are parts okay. that don't sell to the empty nester lifestyle. And she said, you know, so can we come in and make a whole new business plan? And I said, honestly, I don't know if you'll need a whole new one. It might just need some tweaks. So people don't have to come in and, you know, spend another ten, 9 to 12 sessions with me. They came in okay. for, I think it was two or three sessions. We looked at the plan. Right. We identified the that were weak, just as you would with a business plan. And we revamped those. We created addendums. We changed some things. A big part was the roles, that the roles were clearly different now because, you know, there were no kids to impact either, you know, the, the wife's schedule or the husband's schedule. And so it, it provided them an opportunity to now create a plan that worked for their life as it was now. So, again, okay. not looking at the past, not, not saying, oh, this is why this isn't working. It doesn't matter anymore. The plan could change because their life had changed. So with a lot of people who are empty nesters, it's suddenly they don't have the kids as a distraction. And how do now how how do they now use that time not just to enhance the relationship, but to start to do some of the things that they've always wanted to do, even yeah, certainly as a couple, but individually as well, and ensuring that the other the other spouse doesn't feel any kind of threat because all of a sudden, you know, the husband's taking up golf, and he always wanted to take up golf, but that okay. means he's gone long of time. Or the wife is taking up, you know, tennis or whatever it is to really articulate, hey, this doesn't mean I don't want to be with you. It just means that I'd like to explore some stuff individually so that I can still, you know, feel strong and confident in myself, which only is going to make the relationship better. Yes, that is awesome, you know. And so <laughs> – uh, what I like to do right now is if uh, we have any callers that would like to join in and participate in this conversation, if you have any relationship questions that you'd like to ask, feel free, push the one, and we will get you on on the line. In the meantime, Jenny, did you uh, have any questions or would you like to uh, take a break? Yeah, well, I had, well, okay, I did have a question, but we can take a well, break. Go ahead. No, ask a question. Is your food bland and you want to spice it? Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, did you make me forget it? Okay. (laughs) But um, I I wanted to know, do you have to write these things down to keep up with them, or is that not something you should do? And when you're with your spouse – is it like you go into the bedroom and you start talking? You don't go in there and just sit and look at each other, right? <laughs> I'm going to start with the second one, Jenny, because that made me laugh so much. No, you don't sit. 
not like one of those bonding. I mean, when you're trying to get when you're when you're new on at this, this is what I'm saying, and you're trying to get something together, and you know, well, where do you start? Uh, How was your day? Is that something that we do should do? Yeah. So what I usually recommend with couples. Um, yeah, they're not going in there and just staring at each other that, you know, come up with one question, something different than you typically ask. So if you typically ask, how was your day? What could be something different? It could be just a nuance. Tell me one good thing that happened today or tell me what was something really challenging or, you know, what was something that made you laugh today or what's something that's been on your mind that you think, you know, we should find some time to talk about. It's, it's that deeper level of, connection that, again, usually in our busy lives, I mean, my husband and I fall into this sometimes where we're, you know, even though we both work at home now, I mean, and today's a great example. I think I saw him in passing maybe 10 minutes around lunchtime and then about a half hour before I jumped on this call. So I'm going to make sure later on when we, when we have some quiet time that I say to him, you know, t- tell me something about your day that was really good that I didn't hear about. Because I want to know more than just, no, I'm fine, because that doesn't really tell me what's going on with him. So I encourage couples to independently come up with three questions and then just start with one and, and you know, decide, well, you know, you're going to be the one to, to ask the question and we're both going to answer that one question. So they don't have to come up with something new every time. That's a lot of stress and we're trying to reduce stress. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an authentic, mindful check-in. Um, and for some couples, again, they enjoy it so much that they expand it to 20 minutes or 30 minutes, but it's whatever works for them. 10 minutes is enough to get that, that connection. Um, and it, it, it seems to work really well. Your other, uh, question was about writing it down and I can, it's a common question. You know, a lot of couples will say, well, why do you actually like take notes? And then we print out this whole business plan. And it's like anything else that we do. You know, we, we know a lot of the research on when we write things down, not only does it become more real to our brains, but it becomes more real because it sticks in our memory. And so when we have goals, we write our goals down because the more we write them down, the more we connect with them, the more it keeps it kind of in, embedded in our brain and it allows us to make choices during our day, even unconsciously, to get towards that goal. So I do think it's important to write this information down, to, to plan it out in writing so that, again, it's, it's very concrete, it's very real, and there's no misinterpretation of where this couple is going. You know, that's really interesting. Um, I I don't know how this happens, but it used to be every day that my husband and I, you know, were done with uh, dinner and everything, and we would play cards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was, it was fun. And we'd Mm -hmm. laugh and everything. But somehow, you know, how you get, maybe you get a call. And mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you can't play anymore because you got to listen to this person. And then, I don't know, somewhere down the line, it just kind of faded away because I mentioned it to yeah. him the other day. I said, it's been a long time since we've played uh, cards. Yeah. And yeah. he was saying, yeah, that- it is. 
So yeah, and that's, it's not even. Go ahead. That's a great example, Jenny. That you know, it's not even, and, and you know, again, illustrates the couples that that tend to work with me. They're not. They're not miserable. They're not like, oh, I gotta, yeah, I can't wait to get divorced from this person. They've just fallen out of sync, or they've lost touch with what used to help them be connected. And, and they don't even know how it happened. Life just got in the way. Kids got in the way or right. know, other responsibilities got in the way. And so when they, they do this kind of work, it allows them to refocus, again, just, just like we would if, you know, we were struggling at work and our boss would call us in and say, you know, we're going to do a performance review and, and see how we can help you get back on track. That's what these couples are doing. They're doing a performance review of their relationship. And that's actually one one very specific piece of the business plan that I do with couples is when do you have your business, you know, your business meetings. And again, they always, when they start with me, they were like, what is she talking about? And then after a period of time, they get used to using these terms. And I'll say, you know, again, we, we do it at work without even thinking when, when our boss says, Oh, you know, your quarterly check-in or your annual review, but how many couples actually sit down? And I don't mean a date. It's different than your date. Your dates are for an emotional connection. This is or your structure of your relationship is still solid. And is there anything that needs to be adjusted or tweaked or, you know, worked on to make sure that structure stays solid? Um, or to get, or like you said, to get back on track with, hey, we used to really enjoy doing this, and I'm not sure how we lost it, but. Let's, let's work on getting this back. Like, let's make a plan that three times a week we're going to sit down, and I'll use your example, and play cards. And you plan it out, and you make it happen. So, okay. Um, right. Yep. That, that's interesting. I think I'll do that because <laughs> I like playing <laughs> cards. I mean, I, you know, I just we don't pay for it, uh, play for any money or anything. We just do it because we enjoy it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good thing. So now <laughs> when you're talking now, you're an empty nester now. So uh-huh. you did say going into the bedroom or going into the room, period. But I'm <laughs> assuming that's because you have kids in the house. So <laughs> I, if you – really? <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, we still now, have family of four and and now we have one that's still uh she's a junior in high school so she has a couple more years okay so if you go in a room and i close the door and it's just two of you is that i mean do you still have to do that yeah it's funny because when uh you know at certain ages they'd be like what are you doing in there and you know sometimes they'd be waiting not that we are just taking a breath and, and you know, in, in those moments, in those 10 minutes or whatever it ended up being, we got to be a couple rather than being parents or, or putting out fires or mediators. If there was a fight, we just got to be a couple. So with our daughter now, cause she's, you know, very independent. She has her driver's license. She's, you know, got lots of activities in her life. Sometimes we don't need to go into a bedroom, but there is something to be said that, we we happen to have a couch in our in our bedroom, and when we go in there, it it almost primes our brains. We're on that couch, and everything else stops. We're not distracted by anything else because we are just in the spot that we've used for years, and it helps us 
it, it trained, it's like we've trained our brain to just center and focus on each other when we're in that spot. So while I don't think it has to be behind closed doors, I do think if there are, you know, one or two places that become the spot that you connect with, then it, it helps your brain say, okay, in this moment, I'm right here. In this moment, I'm with, you know, him or her, whoever it is. You know, for years, actually, when our kids were younger, we didn't even go in the bedroom. We actually went in our basement on folding chairs and this, you know, old table that happened to be down there because our kids, we could actually sometimes hear our kids saying, where'd they go and where are they? And we would just be down there just connecting with, a, with each other for 10 minutes. So it doesn't matter where it is. It's a matter of making the time without the distractions. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you go to the basement with your significant other and you guys say, well, you know, let's go down here and kind of straighten up. Is that the same thing or <laughs> no, no. do you have to be nope. still when it's, you? It's, it is, you know, I've never had someone say, say it as clearly as you just did, but it is being still. So you're not distracted by folding laundry. You're not distracted by cleaning up your tool, your tool table, which is right next to where my husband and I used to be in the basement. You're just there together to focus on, it's, again, that approach of mindfulness, that when you think about mindfulness, when you do meditation, you work really hard to have a focal point, whether it's a mantra, whether it's your breathing, whether it's a focal point, whatever it is. Well, in this session with your significant other, they're your focal point. They're your mantra. It's, it's all about them as part of the couple. And so if you're doing things like folding laundry, it's too easy to be distracted by, oh, the stain didn't come out, or, oh, he's not folding the, the clothes the way I like. It's too easy for something to move you away from what you're really there to do, which is just to listen and observe your partner. And that's what it's all about. Okay, but sometimes, you know, you might find an old photo and you sit down and say, you know what, do you remember when we that did would be so okay. <laughs> a good example, Jenny. So, yeah, that would be okay, like going through photos together and saying, you know, hey, ne- next time we're, you know, whatever it is, let's, let's do this for a half hour and let's look at our old photos. That actually would be okay because that's still a way to connect because you're still focusing on each other and your life as a couple. So, um, yeah, that's, that's an, that, that'd be an okay example of the, of the use of the time. That's a lovely example. Yeah, and sometimes the pictures are funny and they start you to thinking about other things. Yeah, and you remember when such and such a thing, and before you know it, an hour has gone, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's lovely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we will take a break for real this time, and then we'll be back. This is the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Is your food bland and you want to spice it up? Does it taste like something is missing? What's missing is my seasoning, Butch's bodacious seasoning, all-purpose seasoning, good on absolutely everything but ice cream. I'm Linda Porter, President and CEO of Butch's Bodacious Seasoning. To get the spice back in your life, 
call me at 313-393-2738. You won't regret it. Thank you. As an author, you understand the devastation of someone plagiarizing your work. But what if someone stole your identity? Protect yourself and your family with identity theft protection. Services include credit monitoring, credit reports and scores from all three credit bureaus, social security number, emails, credit cards, bank account monitoring, and social media monitoring from Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more information, call 248-525-7680. Arthur, are you looking for a new way to get your book in the hands of new audience of targeted buyers? Then a virtual book tour is for you. Right now, Virtual Book Tours is an excellent opportunity for you to introduce your book and who you are as an author. Launching your book is very important. A virtual book tour will connect you with readers. We at WNL, we specialize in book tours, book blasts, radio tours, cover reveals, and Facebook chat. Promoting and marketing your book is what we do. Online publicity, the exposure and the publicity is what you need. Let us help you reach new readers and a new audience. We take care of everything so you don't have to. We set up the tour for you. We connect you with bloggers to advertise your book by way of interviews, guest posts, and reviews. If you are an author of a newly published book, have an upcoming release, or just want to give a previously published book new life, a virtual book tour is your answer. Check our tours out at www.wnlbooktours.com. Visit me on Facebook. I am the owner, Paulette Harper. God gives humans the gift of making amazing stories to glorify Him. At speculativefaith.com, our ministry is to help fans explore fantasy, science fiction, supernatural stories, and beyond from an intentional and biblical Christian perspective. We share daily articles and have extensive archives tackling hot topics like end times beliefs, the art of writing, creative excellence in the Christian subcultures, discernment, sex, magic, Harry Potter, and space aliens and the Bible. If you are a parent or anyone else with a discriminating palate, our reviewers explore fantastical novels, movies, television, and games in light of God's beauty, goodness, and truth. Want to find Christian stories? The SpecFaith Library lists every fantastical novel we can find from a Christian author. It's all part of our mission to discern, engage, and enjoy fantastical human creativity in honor of our Creator, Jesus Christ. SpeculativeFaith.com, exploring fantastical stories for God's glory. And we're back to the Let's Talk About It with Jimmy White Show. Okay, and we're back. This is the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show, and we're talking about couples and therapy or what? What is the other one? Coaching. Coaching. (laughs) Coaching and therapy. So I'm trying to get them together. (laughs) But this is very interesting. Uh, But I think you got some really good, um, you know, things that couples can do, and they don't Thanks, have Jeff. to be, you know, they don't have to be uh, 
we're all tired. You know, one works longer than the other. And then when they come, all they want to do is take a shower and eat a sandwich, and then they're done. So what do you, how do you do your, you know, significant other, how do you get them out of that? Because they're tired. Absolutely. I think that when it comes to someone who is just driving themselves, at, you know, at a, at a high level, either they're, Lots of reasons, you know, they're trying to do different things in their career. They're trying to be all different places. I think sometimes having a conversation, whether it's together or whether it's, you know, with an outside, you know, third party, you know, whether it's a therapist or coach, depending on the the needs of the couple, it's finding out why. why. Why is that person going a million miles an hour? And actually, I see it a lot with, so the coaching I do, I do couples coaching, but I also do executive coaching with female business owners and executives. So I see it a lot. These women, they're, they are highly driven, highly motivated, brilliant women who are just really going after the careers that they want. And what you're describing is similar to how they go home. They go home just they've, – they've exhausted all of their resources, and there's nothing left over – for the people that are in their lives, particularly their their spouses or significant others. And so very often, if I'm doing individual work with them or if it kind of overlaps into the couple's work, I, I ask the question, so why are you doing that? Like why are you trying to, you know, deplete yourself or you don't even realize you're depleting yourself and sometimes when you ask the why, you're getting to the deeper reason. And earlier, the, the topic of empty nesters came up. And that's a great example of when very often, and I do see it more often in women than men. I don't think it's exclusive to women. But they will just dive into work when all of a sudden all the kids are gone because they don't, they've lost part of their identity. And they're trying to replace it and not think about, you know, some of the sadness that can come with all of a sudden not having that daily active role as mom. So sometimes it allows, you know, those, that, those, that simple question, if it's coming from a spouse, to sit them down and say, okay, tell me what, what's going on. Tell me why, you know, you're making a choice to work so hard or put in all these hours or do whatever, and then you come home and there's nothing left for us. Is there something that I could do differently to help you? Is there something you're not getting or avoiding that I could help you with? So rather than going on the defensive and attack, it's just just asking the question. And, again, allowing that space, that time to ask the question and hear the answer. Um, which again, a lot of you know, if if the if the person's coming home exhausted, a lot of times the spouse will want to have the conversation right then and there, and that's the worst time to have the conversation because the person's tired. But saying, you know what, hey, this weekend, you know, let's let's sit down Saturday morning when neither of us is working, and let's just connect. And let me, I I, I want to know what's going on. It's allowing that time to to do that so that you can really hear and and try and understand what's happening. So going away too helps, right? Oh, yeah, I think you can do that and get away. That's that is terrific. I don't know if a lot of couples can uh, always do that when they want to, but you know what I usually work with couples on is 
it doesn't have to be some kind of, you know, Caribbean cruise that you're going on. Sometimes getting away is jumping in the car and just driving and going for a drive and nice. or deciding that you really want ice cream, doing a quick Internet search. What's the best ice cream in a town that's an hour away? And then you just go for the drive. You get the ice cream. You explore a little bit. It's, it's doing something different than your regular routine to allow maybe some of those daily responsibilities that sometimes get really heavy on your shoulders to be left behind. So I think that there are ways to get that escape that isn't necessarily involving a travel agent and, you know, lots of money and all that stuff. Right. Okay, so now another example is you might be upset with something someone had said or did. So, and you don't want to be bothered with them. So <laughs> you went in the room and closed the door by yourself. <laughs> it never works. But, it never works. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, sometimes you have to do that. Oh, absolutely. I think that is sometimes realizing when you just need to step away is maybe one of the most valuable things. And one thing that um, I work with couples is, Everybody knows or has heard, you know, when you talk about a safe, you know, a safe word. And so many people associate that with other areas, other intimate areas. And to me, a safe word is I, that, that I, I've reached my limit and we need to step away. So, um, again, I, I love some of the couples I work with. And one of the couples I work with, their safe word in those moments when one of them is about to hit their boiling point is bubble. And I asked, <laughs> I, and I asked the husband why bubble, and you you might have heard this before, but he's like it's one of those words you can't say completely angry, like it's too hard to be angry when you're saying the word bubble. And I'm like, okay, okay I'll give you that. Okay. So, now for them it worked. For when he, when either of them were getting to a point where their patience was thin, or they were about to explode, or whatever it was. They would say bubble, and the understanding was whoever said it, at that moment, the conversation ended, and they split apart, like just got, you know, kind of found their own spaces to cool down or rethink or whatever. So it wasn't that one was stomping off. It wasn't that one, you know, all of a sudden did blow up. They tried to use that as a way to avoid getting to that fevered pitch and give it, allowing themselves time to back away, as you said, because sometimes that's really important and it's a valuable strategy to not get to that point where the emotions are just taking over. So when that happens, it's making sure that when you do come back together, it's at a time when the emotions are in check so that you can have a rational conversation. And again, when you have a plan for your marriage, okay, this is our protocol for how we communicate, how we communicate in general, and how we communicate when the communication isn't going well. It's almost like when you're at work and you have a protocol for communication and you know you don't go over someone's head or first you do it in writing, then you do it in person. You know, there's a really clear um, plan of how you do it at work. So, again, having a clear plan of how you're going to communicate in good times and calm times. And then in those more agitated times, that's what couples can fall back on. That's what they can start to, you know, rely on and remember in those moments. So 
So for that couple, they actually have the use of the word bubble as part of their communication plan. So they're very clear where that where that kind of falls, when when are the what's the criteria of when it might be used. And they've been using it I think for at least a couple months, at least a couple months they've been working with me. And what they found is they are not having the heated arguments that they used to have. That's that's interesting. But I know some people that can say bubble my you know what <laughs> And that, that, that's the end of yeah. the bubble. <laughs> finding, finding the right word helps, and certainly <laughs> right, respect, right, right, right. <laughs> definitely respecting the intent, and it takes practice. Like any, you know, earlier yeah. we were talking about this. if you've never been married before, same as if you've never had kids before, you have no idea what you're getting into. So right. some of it is practice, but if again you have a plan to use as part of your practice, you know. I've sat through all different kinds of kids' sports, and I've never seen, well, I shouldn't say never, I've rarely seen any of the coaches, regardless of the sport, have no clue what a practice is going to look like. They have a plan of what they want to accomplish in the the practice. Same thing, again, with marriage. If you have a plan, it doesn't mean the plan is perfect. It doesn't mean it it won't need adjustments, but at least it gives you a strong foundation to start from so you're not trying to figure it out when the emotions are heated or when, you know, there are other variables, you know, a, a new baby coming into play. Now you're trying to figure it out. It just creates that, that, that strong platform to build from rather than hoping, well, I, I love this person and I'm sexually attracted to this person and, and that's what's going to hold us together. And I'm like, nope, that's the bells and whistles that you get if you have a strong foundation. But if you don't have a strong foundation, love and sexual attraction, that's not going to what that's not going to is not going to be what keeps your relationship strong and healthy. Yeah, I can see that. Well, I'd like to ask all the listeners if you would like to ask Dr. Robin a question or make a comment. Then all you have to do is touch the one and you'll be live with her. Mm-hmm. And I would just like to say uh Dr. Robin, you have been so, what can I say, uh, informative. Thanks, for, Jenny. For a better word. Because this is something that I didn't know about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know something a little bit about coaching, but mm-hmm. the therapy and, you know, the things that you were saying and just talking to each other and just doing things, you know, right. it's it's just different. And I think, well, this is just me thinking, but I'm thinking that if a lot of people did that, there wouldn't be so many separations maybe or divorces. I agree. I think it really, it really could help because, again, people would be going in with, just a clear structure of how they want to move forward. I'll tell you one of the first things I do with a couple, actually it is, the, it's in the, it's, well, it's usually in the first session, if not the second, and I'll ask them, 
you know, tell me about work. Tell me what you both do. And do you have a, you know, mission statement with your, your business or your organization? And, of course, almost everyone says, oh, yeah, there's a, you know, yeah, we have a mission statement at my work or wherever, or I created a mission statement for my, my business. And I'll ask them what it is, and they'll t- they usually can recite it off. And then I'll say, okay, why, why is there a mission statement? And, of course, they'll say all the right answers. It helps us go in the same direction. Everybody's on the same page, and we kind of know what is the grounding values of the organization. And then my follow-up question is, okay, so what's the mission statement for your marriage? And, again, I get crickets because people <laughs> look at me and they're like, yeah. why don't you for your marriage? Because you told me all the reasons you have it for your business. And then they start to get, like, what I'm getting at, and they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, that's how we're going to do this. We are going to use really sound business approaches to work on your marriage. So, you know, as I'm developing this idea, a lot of my clients have said, you know, we'd really value having this as, like, uh, an online course that we could, you know, sometimes use as a reminder and not necessarily always coming in for booster sessions. And certainly the book is the book that I'm writing is um, based on all of these principles that I've used with couples over the years because I want to be able to, you know, I, I love the direct work I do. I really, really love what I do. But the more I can get this idea out, the more that I can help people understand that, you know, yes, marriage and commitment is are lovely. And they, there are so many wonderful things that we think of, the emotion and the, the attraction and the, the lifetime together. But really, it is about creating a foundation with your partner that is going to hold you through the bad times and make the good times even better. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, a nice statement because I was thinking about a lot of us, you know, when we're going with someone and we just want to do this and do that and we just, you know, do everything we can to be happy with that person. And once we get married, it's like, oh, okay, we're married, not everything is going to be okay. And I don't have right. to do the other stuff that I was doing before we got married. I think a lot a lot of people I think think that way. Yep. I think it happens. I do think it happens. You're right. Or they just didn't expect all the details that they'd have to consider and think about and then when things change, like how does that it you know, how does that impact them? So again, it'd be it'd be kind of crazy and amazing if people put in the two hundred and fifty to three hundred hours that they do for their wedding. Oh yeah, their marriage. It'd be it would be truly amazing. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be in uh, so many divorces, maybe. But yeah. I think I think that uh, I know I did when I got married. I just thought you know everything is okay, and you know I don't have to do anything else. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. have to do this or do that when I was doing it before I got married. So it's, it's, well, it doesn't stop. (laughs) Nope. Nope. If you stop, you know, it's like anything in our lives. If we stop doing it or stop paying it, you know, if we didn't pay attention, something as simple as if we didn't pay attention to our lawn over time, our lawn would get, bigger and bigger and would start to encompass our whole yard and 
there'd be bugs that we don't want. I mean, it would just, if we don't pay attention to the things in our life, they're, you know, we, if we're neglectful or, you know, there's just not things that we give our attention, then they're not going to survive. They're not going to be the way we want them to be. And that's true for anything. If we don't pay attention to our health, if we don't pay attention to, you know, how we take care of our cars, and our relationships are no different. If we don't make the time, not just assume the time is there, but make the time for true attention to detail in terms of making sure it's taken care of, it's not going to be the way we want it to be. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So um, co-host, did you have anything, any more comments? Yeah, I'd just like to uh, thank Dr. Robin for coming on being a guest today. You said some uh, mm-hmm. very uh, uh, great information, some priceless gems and ways of, ways of coaching, you know, and uh, helping couples to be their best uh, best couple. And so uh just like to thank you. You're going to have to promise to come back and visit us again and give <laughs> yes, us some information. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, if people are interested in speaking with you uh, in regards to how to be a coach, how uh, can they get in touch with you? Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, the, there's a couple easy ways. Uh, first of all, my website is just my name, Dr. Robin Buckley, no space, no period, dot com. So they can go to my website and certainly learn more about me. Um, they can also see articles that I've written and have had published in different um, venues as well as podcasts and interviews that I've done, so it gives them a little sense of who I am. Um, I'm also really active on social media, so they can find me under the same uh, title and name on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So um, I have not touched TikTok, you know, as much as my kids say, you should try that. I'm like, nope, I don't think that's my thing, but um, but all the other <laughs> social media I found on, so I'm happy to uh, to connect with anybody, even if it's just to ask some questions, because I, I would rather people being educated more than anything else. Uh, that's the most important thing to me, is that they know what to ask and the information they're looking for, even if it's not working directly with me. So I'm always happy to answer questions. Very okay. Good. That's, so that's Dr. Robin Buckley. Is that with L-E-Y? Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. So Robin is just like the bird, R-O-B-I-N, and Buckley is B-U-C-K-L-E-Y. So B-R-R-O-B-I-N, B-U-C-K-L-E-Y, all one word. Very good. Well, that, uh, that'll do it for me. Uh, uh, Jenny, I think we had a great show. Uh, uh, you have yes. some words for us? Uh, I wanted to know if Dr. Robin, as a matter of fact, I have a daughter named Robin. Same spelling, yes, R-O-B-I-N. But is there something that you'd like to leave us with or you think you've said it all? (laughs) My one thing that I always say to people, you can have the life that you want. You can have the career that you want and the relationship you want. It's okay to ask for what you want as long as you're willing to work towards that goal and not assume someone else is going to do it for you. So asking for your want is not selfish. In fact, asking for what you want can actually get you to exactly where you want to be personally and professionally. And I'm happy to help anyone get there as part of the process. Okay. Now, did you tell us what state you were in? 
I live in Maine, but my uh, my physical business is in. Uh, I have an, uh, an office because I actually own a psychological and coaching practice. So I have therapists who work for me and coaches. That's in New Hampshire, right over the line. Um, oh, okay. Most of my clients I see virtually, so I see clients from all across the country. Um, haven't done international yet, but hoping to get there someday. All right, very good, very good, and thank you so much for reminding me that you wanted to come on the show. <laughs> I have really enjoyed so this. I have too. Thank you both so much. It's been a great way to start my weekend. Well, that's my son. <laughs> oh, gosh. oh, that's terrific. Yeah, that's my son, the the boss. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love it. Your Coleman, all right. Yeah. That's terrific. Okay, so uh, did you want to say something else before we go, Mr. Coleman? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jenny. Okay, well, I'd just like to leave everyone with uh, sometimes we must be hurt in order to grow. Sometimes we must fail in order to know. Sometimes we must lose in order to gain because some lessons in life are best learned through pain. And with that having said, I'll say good night for my listeners and my hosts. And I'd like to say that uh, have a great weekend. Be safe. And uh, just have a good time. See you next Friday. Have a good weekend. Good night. Good night.